the biggest reason that the emails are not converting and the ads are not converting and the leads are not converting is that no trust has been established. Trust equals transaction. If they don't trust you, they don't know your story. Why did you open the gym? What are you here to do? Who do you help? What's your service all about? Tell stories to get people to trust you. Share your clients, the results to build trust. Give free stuff away. And, and so these are all things that build trust. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be a ton of work, but communicate and really start, people get to know you. They start to build a relationship with you and they start to get to know you. As a local business, the biggest thing that you can do is really get people to know you. Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Empire Podcast. We are fired up to deliver an amazing episode for you guys today. We've been really brainstorming on how to address this issue, me and Matt both. And so we wanted to just bring to you guys the best possible information for this problem. So what I'm going to kind of let you guys know what we're about. If, you, if you're a new listener, definitely appreciate you guys giving us your time. Our mission with this podcast is to help gym owners to create an empire of impact and income. And so we want to help the world to fight this awful, awful obesity epidemic that we're fighting. But at the same time, why can't you make a good living and create an amazing lifestyle for you and your family along the way? Both are possible, and that's what we're here to do. So to kind of get you guys in the right frame of mind, I want to just tell a quick story about one of my favorite leadership experts, and that's Jocko Willink. All right. And so what he talks about is the leader zooming in and zooming out, because today we're going to be talking about zooming out. He talked about when they are in a battlefield setting, if the people in his squad are all looking through their scopes and they're shooting at the bad guy, the one thing he does not want the leader to do is to put their eye into that scope and to join in and help them. And that might sound weird when you're under attack, all these enemies are trying to get me, why would I not help them? And he said, because the leader needs to be off the firing line, zoomed out, looking for where they can cover and move, where they can get a tactical advantage, where they can outflank their enemy and destroy them. And he needs to be giving his team commands, right? And so that's the job of a leader is to be zoomed out. So when you're zooming in, gym owners, you are coaching a session, you're making a sale, you're setting up an ad yourself on Facebook Ads Manager. We don't want you zooming in. And today's episode is about you being the true CEO, which means being zoomed out. And we're going to cover the big three numbers that you need to know in your business and how to fix them because you are in that zoomed out perspective. So I'm super excited to go into this topic with you guys. And I know, Matt, you got a great first topic that you want to kick us off with. So why don't you take us into this subject so we can help these gym owners with their business? That is an awesome lesson. And that's what today is really about. It's really understanding that the big three metrics in your business and our, our goal, too, besides helping you make an impact on your communities, is really helping you transition to becoming the CEO of your business. And in order to be the CEO of your business, you must know your metrics. A lot of people have a lot of big issues and big problems inside of their business because they're not staying on top of their metrics. By staying on top of your metrics, you're able to see patterns 
and, and see problems before they actually happen from a data and logic perspective. And then when you do face problems, being able to use that data and logic to help make decisions inside your business versus making emotional decisions. And I don't know about you, Dustin, but early on in my business, I made a lot of gut decisions, a lot of emotional decisions, and a lot of decisions based off other people's emotions because I was trying to solve the problems that they thought we had in the business. But in, in reality, it was just them acting emotionally and then me trying to solve their emotional problems, which then I just create more problems inside of my business. And then the, the other thing with the metrics today is we want to really make sure that you have a clear picture of what is actually important inside of your business. There's a lot of gurus in the fitness space that make you believe that you have to track 10,000 different metrics. Then you're completely overwhelmed. And a lot of people just don't track anything because if you have to track all these metrics, you got to pay somebody 40 hours a week just to give you the metrics that you think you're supposed to have in your business. And you just end up not doing anything. And then you're literally running your business with your head in the sand. So we want to make it crystal clear on what's important, how to really understand those metrics. And then if those metrics are off, what do you do? And when I really learned to simplify metrics, I was running a mastermind and we had a guy come in. His name was Sharon. He's one of the most one of the most intelligent people I have ever met, but he was able to take something complex and make it really simple. And I think that is uh, like really the definition of genius is how do you take something complex and make it simple? A lot of people take simple things and make them complex and think they're they're really smart. All you are is really confusing. So we want to make sure we don't do that. But he took a real estate company from $300 million to $3 billion with a B in five years. He 10X that company by understanding five metrics. So he went in on the CEO. He was not the CEO. He took over the business and he really wanted to understand what are the metrics that drive my business. And he broke it down into five things. When these five things are happening, the business is growing. When these five things aren't happening, that means that there is a problem. There's a systems issue. There is dysfunction somewhere in my organization, but now I know where I need to go downstream and where I need to attack it. After that, really came up with the, the idea of the big three metrics because I took that and I was like, okay, we're tracking all these things. What are the, the main things inside of our business? And really looked at the big three and we'll go into those. So it's going to be trials, trial conversion, and attrition. Everything else is downstream. There are more metrics that you need to track and we'll go into that. But if you are on a deserted island and I asked you, hey, is your business going to grow this week or is your business going to grow uh, this month? And all you could have is three metrics. These three metrics would be the levers on your business. As they improve, your business will improve. As they get worse, your business is going to get worse. And then there is always a downstream where now you know uh, what to address inside of your business. So we're going to get into those things. But first, before we go into that, I'm going to talk about the average gym owner. The average gym owner, when I work with them, and you can fill in your side of things, Dustin, because I know you work with a lot of gym owners as well, is I'll take a phone call and it's usually a, an erratic phone call. Like they're, they're stressed out. And the first thing that they say is, I need more leads. I need more people in my business. My business isn't growing. And they think it's a marketing or a leads problem. And I'll start asking them questions. Because oftentimes it's never what they say it is because they don't understand the metrics. Mm -hmm. So my goal when I ask questions is to understand their metrics. So I'll start asking questions. Okay, how many trials did you have come in this month? And they'll give me a crazy amount of trials, like 50 to 100. 
I remember one call, this person said they were getting 100 trials a month, which that's a lot of trials. I've had challenges with, with having 100 trials come in, but averaging 100 trials a month is, is really crazy, right? Let's just say they don't have a leads problem if you're getting 100 trials a month. Now, if you're getting like five trials, 10 trials, less than 20, yes, you have a leads problem. You have a lead follow-up problem. We'll get into that in a little bit. But this person, I said, okay, what is your sales conversion? Like how many people are you selling? And she was like, when I sit down with them, I close 90% of people. And I was like, all right, that's awesome. What is your attrition? And she said, 3%. I was, I just did the math. I'm like, your business should be booming. You have a hundred trials coming in. You're closing 90% of people and you have 3% attrition. Why don't you have like a $2 million location with, with those type of numbers? But where this person got it wrong was, was only looking at the people that she sat down with one-on-one. What she was missing was nearly 50% of those people weren't even setting their appointments And then a lot of those people were not showing for their appointments. So her actual close rate, if you look at trial conversion, was way less than 50%. But in her mind, 90% of people coming in were she was able to sell on a membership because she didn't understand her metrics. So where she needed to focus was not on getting more trials, not on nutrition. That that stuff was great. She needed to work on setting appointments, having a system and a strategy of setting appointments And then making sure that those people showed up because if she's closing 90%, which is amazing, she's a good salesperson. Her systems below that are broken though. She's not able to set appointments. She had no process for that. It was just people come in and they tried to willy-nilly set appointments versus, hey, let's make that a part of the process from the very beginning. Let's have the appointment be the most valuable part of their trial program so that people actually set the appointment And then make sure that we have the right follow-up nurture process to make sure that people show up for that appointment. And then that person's business is going to be fixed. But the problem was this person was really stressed out, ready to call quits because they didn't realize what problem that they actually had in their business. That's why this episode is so valuable because if you truly understand these big three metrics and you understand if they're broken, how do I fix it? You truly will become the CEO of your business and you will have a greater impact on people's lives and you will make a lot more money, uh, which is good for everybody. The more money you make, the healthier your business is, the more lives we change. It is good for everybody. Anything you want to add on that, Dustin, before we dive deep into these three metrics? I just want to illustrate like that, those numbers for people, like let's make it just bonehead simple. Like if you had 10 trials and you to yourself, say I closed ninety percent of them, but like you said, only half book that that you know appointment to talk about membership. That means only five of those ten book an appointment. If she closed ninety percent, she's gonna get four. She thinks she's amazing, he or she, but they get four out of their ten sold, right? And so you you think I'm closing nine out of ten because you're saying out loud. And I know we're gonna get in definitions here in a second. But when you walk around your gym, tell your team, I have a 90% closing, I'm going to call my mentor, I'm going to tell him I have, you know, 90% closing, then essentially, you're warping your reality. And so what you're forcing them to go through filter wise is hard data numbers. And that's something that entrepreneurs typically don't like they they run from it, they avoid it. And so I like that we're going to hold their feet to the fire and dive into it. But that's just like, 
illustrating this guys 10 trials only half of them book for their you know appointment with the closer that means only five you close 90 percent. you're getting four to ten that's a 40 percent closing if you're being honest right so that's what we want to really hit and help you guys with is just being honest with yourself diving into your numbers and i love matt that again i love that five is simple enough and you're even gonna make it simpler by bringing it down to three so if we get these three dialed in these are the magical three that are going to take your business to the next level. So let's do it, man. I'm excited. The last thing I want to add on that topic is, is most entrepreneurs live in one of two realms. It's either in the gap or the gain. So when we talk about the gain, it's all the positive things. So that that's, that's that person going around to the masterminds and events and telling people about their amazing amount of trials coming in, amazing uh, closing percentage that they, they have. We focus on all the things that are going great. Right. But now you're living in delusion. If you live in the game for too long, you're literally running your business in delusion. Where on the other side of it, a lot of people think they're doing way worse than they actually are. So being able to show them the metrics and say, hey, by benchmarks, you're actually doing really, really well, which then gives them self-confidence to to do more inside of the business, puts them in a positive state. Because when you think you're doing really bad and you're doing really good, that's a negative state. Negative states create negative actions. Right. And then you start creating negative actions inside of your business, you're eventually going to get negative outcomes. So you need both. You need to have the gain and be able to acknowledge the wins and the things that are going good. But you also need to live in reality and say, hey, these are things that that can be improved. One of the most important things I think when we talk about coaching and teaching people is actually having set definitions. So when we talk about trials, that is a person that starts a program with you. It can be a free program. It can be an LBO, it can be a challenge, but that is a trial. Somebody that comes in and starts your program in some capacity, that is not that is a trial. That's not a lead, that is a trial. Trial conversion is of all those people that came in, what percentage of them stayed on as a member? And then attrition is when we look at our monthly attrition, that's typically how we look at it, as you're starting members for the month divided by how many people canceled their membership that month. So that would be your attrition percentage. So those are the definitions. Let's start kind of talking about benchmarks and going into more detail on those. So we're going to start talking about trials and what is good from a benchmark standpoint, because everyone asks, what's good? What should I be getting? Uh, what's industry standards? We want to set some, some clear benchmarks with this. Dustin's company helps people all day long get trials. So he also knows what is realistic number. But if you're looking at growing more of a small group, higher ticket type program, getting five people in a week on a trial is really good. And the reason why you can grow your business with just five trials a week is because you have, you're going to have lower attrition. If you're running a one-on-one, semi-private type of program, your attrition tends to be way less, which means you need less trials coming through your door in order to grow your business. So if you are a small group, semi-private type training program, then 20 trials a week is a really good number and you can grow steadily with that. Now, if you're a boot camp, large group training center where you're going to have higher attrition, typically good is going to be 10 trials per week coming in. So that'd be around 40 trials per month. Now, keep in mind, the higher the attrition you have, the more trials you're going to need coming through your doors to, to offset that attrition. So those are benchmarks of what we believe is good. Trial conversion, if we're looking at what is a good trial conversion inside of your locations, anything above 60% is, is actually really good. It probably means that you're providing 
a good experience inside of your locations. 70% is really good. And then 80%, I would call like amazing world-class level. Now I'm not saying sales appointments, you're closing 60, 70, 80% of sales appointments. I'm talking about every single trial that comes through your doors. 60% is good. 70% is really good. And then 80% is amazing. And then attrition, this is staggering, but attrition industry standard is around 10%, which honestly, I don't know how you grow a fitness business with, with 10% attrition. The amount of trials that you would have to have coming through your doors and the trial conversion percentage that you would have to grow would be astronomical. And when we look at the typical large group model, the big, the more members you have, the bigger effect attrition has on your business. Just simple, simple math. Obviously, if you had 200 clients and, and 10% attrition, you'd be losing, you need 20 memberships a month just to break even that month. Now, if you had 400 members, 10% is 40 memberships a month that you must have. So you need way more trials than that to get to those, the, those numbers. And then at our locations, we've had up to 800 to 1,000 members at one time. So imagine a 10% a attrition at those numbers. You'd be losing, you need to get 80 to 100 new members every single month if that was, was your attrition percentage. Yeah. So attrition becomes an even bigger factor at scale and has a bigger effect on your business at scale. Now, if we're looking at what are good metrics from attrition, two to 3% attrition every month is world-class. Uh, especially if you're in the large group training space, that is absolutely amazing. If you can be at two to 3%, four to 5% is good. You still need consistent, obviously trials coming in to, to offset that, but you don't need a ridiculous amount of people coming in, especially if your trial conversion is good. And then 6% or higher starts making it really challenging to grow. And you, when you look at that number, you definitely have a product problem. You have a culture problem. You have some systems problems going on inside of your business and you need to really start digging deep uh, once you start getting past that four to five percent. But those are the, the industry benchmarks. Those are what we believe is really good. And it's not just made up numbers. Dustin works with hundreds of gyms. I have a, a lot of gyms. I work with a lot of gyms. We know what's good. We know what's possible and we know what it takes to, to grow our business. So what are your thoughts on those numbers, Dustin? Yeah, I'm going to also add in one more clarification because I don't think everybody might know what LBO stands for. Matt said that it stands for low barrier offer. For me, that's something under a hundred bucks. I'm going to consider like a low ticket price. Um, once you get north of that, you're kind of going mid and high ticket. So, you know, that's could be trial. Again, we're defining as free, low price, or even a challenge level pricing, which is mid to high. And so, some people try to go straight for the for the membership and although that is another strategy you're now taking this approach and you're thinking of your conversions from appointment to membership when you have that trial conversion right and so that's another way to to kind of look at it and the other thing i was going to say is that you know if you're looking at your numbers the big thing you got to figure out is like how can i do this as a systematic fix because if your CRM doesn't give it to you, that's probably one of the biggest complaints I hear from gym owners. Like, I want these numbers. I want to look at them. I want to be plugged in, but my darn CRM doesn't give me that these information uh, very easily. So old school guys, just go to a spreadsheet. You'd be surprised. Some major multi-million dollar companies that I know still use good old fashioned Google Sheets. So you got to get these numbers, whether, and if you're not like a 
person that's good at finding them, ask an admin, ask somebody that does have that natural skill set that can dig it up, get on support with the CRM, ask them if they can point you out how to find it, make it easier. But uh, it's one of those things that it's not the fun work. So we'll easily swipe it off to go do something we enjoy more. Maybe you like to do sales and you want to sit in the office. Maybe you like spending time with your team and developing them. And the more you just put this stuff off, the more it's going to kind of like sneak up on you and actually going to be a bigger problem. I posted this the other day, what you focus on, or sorry, what you ignore expands and what you focus on diminishes. And so if you just try to ignore these numbers and, you know, hide them, it's like a big black ball that's going to keep getting bigger and bigger until you turn around and face it down. So that's what hopefully we're waking you up to do. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving this, Matt. Thank you for, for defining this. I, I also think... I also think when you don't know your numbers, yeah, you may be ignoring them, but to your point, like that stress starts to build up because you don't really feel like you're in control of your business. So if you want to feel in control of your business, which every CEO wants to feel in control of their business, you can't control everything, but the way you feel in control is understanding these numbers and then understanding how do I, how can I affect these numbers, right? And yeah. then what, what effect do these numbers actually have on my business and what do these mean? you will start feeling much more confident, more control of your business and make a lot better decisions inside of your business too. And that's also the simplicity of the three. We're not asking you for 15 metrics. We're not asking you for 20 metrics. We're not asking you for the lifetime value of, of your customer or any of that crazy stuff. You can for sure track this stuff on an Excel spreadsheet very, very easily. It's not rocket science in any capacity. Now, the other metrics... Obviously, take a little bit more work to be tracking the downstream metrics, but we'll talk about that. But if you have been tracking nothing, just start tracking these three things. And then as you get comfortable with that, then you can start tracking the, the other metrics. But it all starts with these three, track these first, and then worry about everything else. I'm, all right, I'm let's, chill. One, let's talk about more, I'm going to throw one more thing in. I find that a lot of people who are stressed, since we're talking about definitions, they can't define the stress. Like they feel it, it's in their body, it's in their head. They feel like something's off. They might come to you and might even say, I can't pinpoint it. My business is not growing. I, I, I can feel it. I don't know why. What I love about this is that you're literally defining that pain uh, very, very clearly. And usually it's because we have good instincts. We have good EQ. We can feel things, but we sometimes can't like pinpoint where it's coming from. I, I guarantee you guys, if you're feeling any type of stress about your business, it's one of these three numbers. And when you dive into it, it'll be framed. So that's that's what we're going to dive into next is like we we kind of told you the problems that exist. And if you're not hitting these benchmarks we laid out, but now we also want to be solution minded and tell you, you know, how to influence them. But yeah, carry, carry yeah. on, Matt. So the next thing is when we look at trials, everything is downstream. So what influences and affects trials? So if your trials are off, or if you're looking at your trial numbers week over week over week, and you start seeing a massive dip where it's like, we were getting 10, and now we're getting eight, and now we're getting five, and now we're getting three, what do you do, right? So a big part of being a good CEO is, is also being able to see trends and being able to see week over week, month over month, what might be affecting those numbers. So when we talk about creating trials... Really, now we're starting to talk about marketing. We're starting to talk about lead generation. We're starting to talk about lead follow-up. We're starting to talk about lead nurture and all that, right? And sales, if you're doing uh, phone sales, that starts to come into to effect. So first thing is, are you even marketing inside of your business? 
Uh, it still amazes me today with all the tools and all the resources that we have for marketing. A lot of gym owners are like, well, I'm not a marketer. That's not why I got in this business. This isn't why I, I, that's not what I do. Right. But in order to market, the best people in this business are people that are in it for the right reasons, passionate about training that learn the marketing side of the business. I have yet to meet a uh, somebody doing really well in this business. And I, I have never met anyone doing seven figures that is not also a good marketer to some capacity. I spend 50 to 60% of my time on marketing and creating content for my business. I don't know what your ratio is. I'd be very curious, Dustin. Uh, honestly, that's right up there. Where, where on my org chart, I still own the director of marketing seat in addition to CEO cool. because it's that important. And I know that's how I feed the rest of the downstream team, the follow-up team, the, the, you know, the closers, the coaches, that's how I produce, you know, and, and that's where I bring the most value. Of course you can hire somebody, but we're going to be talking about major, major investment. And when they're coming in, you know, cold to your business, do they have even, you know, any intuition into how the whole business works? No one's going to speak probably as passionate about you or with as much clarity about how the whole experience is going to work. Cause you just know your business from the inside out. So yeah, I'm, I'm right up there 50% on marketing. The biggest thing is the mindset behind that, right? Cause a lot of people think marketing and they, they think sleazy or they think sales and they think they're doing something wrong to people. But if people don't know you, you can't help them. Grant Cardone has a famous saying, he says, if people don't know you, they can't flow you. Right. So if you want to have an impact on people's lives, you have to put time and energy into the marketing side. So my question to you is, do you have a marketing strategy in place? Are you several months ahead or you're like, we need trials, let's do something. I see that all the time. It's being very reactionary to, to that trial metric of like, we need people. And then you start the, the marketing or the sales engine. And by that time, you're, you're behind because it takes two to three to four weeks before whatever you decide you're going to do to show dividends in and trials coming through your door, let alone however long it took you to come up with a marketing plan in place after you realized you needed more trials through the door. So we have a marketing calendar, Dustin and I do, you have a marketing calendar, and, and we put a lot of time and energy into that marketing calendar so that we always are bringing trials through the door, and we always have a strategy of getting trials through the door. It is not by happenstance. It is not by being... Like, oh my God, being emotional, we need people. We know that we need that going all the time. And that needs to be a massive focus um, of you or somebody on your team needs to be thinking about how do we get more trials through the door on a regular basis. Now, this um, I'm gonna say, go I, I have the whole year planned already. And the way that I build it, and this is where whether you've been open for years or you're getting started. Go back and look at last year and see what programs were a home run and which ones were a massive flop. Obviously, you should repeat the home runs and then you should test something new those months that it was a flop. And that's how your marketing calendar gets more and more dialed in. I see this trend over even my marketing calendars is, you know, I had like 50% success rate five years ago and then it's going 60 and then, you know, it's going to get sharper over time. And now you want, that's the dream, right? To have a full calendar year where the fleet are just flowing and you got no issues, but that's not going to happen the first year you do it. And if you don't go back and kind of look at your game film and ask yourself as a marketer, how did I do last year? You can't improve upon it. So if you've been running for years, you can do it. You can compete against yourself, 
But if you're new and you need something to compare against, book, you know, call a peer, call another gym owner, say, what are you doing? What are you running? And kind of ask questions. But, you know, again, I want to echo that what you do now is going to show up 60 to 90 days from now. And I've seen owners run a challenge. It was a home run. They were happy. So they turn marketing off and they're like, now I'm going to serve these people. And I'm like, uh, you don't know what's going to happen in 60 days. You're going to be fighting for leads and trials again because you're turning that off. So it never stops. My, my ads are running all year round and you need those leads flowing all year round. You are in the sales business. Plain and simple. If you look at the greatest salespeople and, and you see that with salespeople, it's like, I have all these appointments, so I stop prospecting. And then they, they get through the people and then they're like, oh my God, I don't have anybody. Now they got to go back to prospecting. And then it takes a long time before the prospecting turns into people appointments on their schedule and turns into to sales, right? You want to be prospecting all the time and keeping your foot on the gas and for me, my team is serving clients while I'm able to continue to market or be setting up the next thing so that when there is going to be start being a slowdown, that's when the next rush of people start coming in so that we are always growing. The biggest mistakes I have made is like it is putting the foot on the brake and slowing down because kind of like, oh, we got to keep putting in effort in marketing and it's, it's stressful and it's a lot of work. But you know what is more stressful and a lot of work? is when you don't have people coming in and then you start seeing your bank account go down and the impact that you're having on people's lives. Your team will do a lot better actually being working with a lot of people versus having a, a ton of downtime. I, I promise you, because when you have people coming in, it feels like you're winning and uh, winning solves a lot of things yes. inside of your business. And the cool part is when you're winning, it means you're helping more people. The next thing I would, I would look at is Obviously, we talk about marketing strategy. That means you're actually promoting, you're sending out ads, you're spending money on ads. That's another thing that I've never really understood is people want to grow their business, but they don't want to spend money on marketing. And it needs to be a part of your, your monthly budget. You need to be budgeting for marketing every single month. And you honestly need to be spending money every single month. So that needs to be a line item that never goes away. And, and I'll honestly... As you grow, how do you actually increase that line item or become more effective from a marketing perspective? The next thing would be, are you actually leveraging the assets that you already have? So many gyms have these massive CRMs with thousands of people inside of their CRMs, but they're doing nothing with them. They're not communicating to them. They're not sending out any type of promotions. They're sending zero content to, to that. And that is such a massive mistake that, that I see in We'll we'll tee you up in a in a second, Dustin, because I know this is your world and your your realm on that. And I know it drives you crazy. And then the last, the the other thing would be: Are you actively increasing your email list? Are you you running giveaways? Are you running campaigns so that you can be increasing your email list? And there is a direct correlation between how big your email list is and how much money that your gym is uh, generating. I guarantee you. So I've done this before in masterminds. I'm like. How many people are on your email list? And then I'll look at what is their income? The people that have the most amount of people on their email list also make the most amount of money. And part of that is because they're actively marketing their business, but your email list, you own. You do not own Facebook. You do not own Instagram. You do not own all the other channels. You own your email list, which means you can communicate any way you want to them. You can market any way you want to them. If you want to get in touch with them at seven o'clock at night, you can get in touch with them at seven o'clock at night. So you need to be building your email list at my gyms. 
We have 50,000 people on our email list. So whenever we need more people, I send out an email and we get more people, right? I don't count on Facebook ads working. I don't count on Instagram ads working. I don't count on TikTok ads or YouTube ads or whatever you're doing. But I can always count on my emails working. That means I'm always in control uh, of my income. What do you got on that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to say that the biggest issue that I see people struggle with is they just don't know what to say or like what to send. And again, that's the skill that you might have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, I got to pull up my pants and learn this. And I question because people sometimes have a limited growth mindset, which means they will grow to a certain point and then they'll stop. So you had no excuses to learn how to coach a session. You had no excuses about learning nutrition. You had no excuses about finding a space in town and signing that lease. But then as the you know growth continued, you stop and you cut it off and you say, that's it. No, I'm not going any further. And I want to like shake you up and say it, it can't stop. Otherwise, your impact stops, your income stops, your amount of clients that you start working with stops. The, the business is a reflection of the leader. And so, you know, essentially the email thing that you need to think about doing is just what, what comes naturally to you? Like, what, are you posting on social media? Sometimes that's the problem. They're not posting on their email list or their, their social media. They're posting nothing. And so that's a huge problem. And, you know, again, what we see in our company, Gym Reinforcements, is that the biggest reason that the emails are not converting and the ads are not converting and the leads are not converting is that no trust has been established. I, my phrase is trust equals transaction. All right. And so if they don't trust you, they don't know your story. Why did you open the gym? What are you here to do? Who do you help? What's your service all about? Tell stories to get people to trust you. Share your clients' results to build trust. Give free stuff away. And, and so these are all things that build trust. There are also things that are other helpful things. The longer you're in business, right? We don't want you to close because when you can say I've been around five, 10 years, like that immediately builds trust. And so these are things that you want to like ask yourself to you know improve because they're going to help your business but the easiest thing for people to just start you can write it today that you don't have to think is just your story everybody can tell their story sitting around a campfire hanging out with friends and just say hey man why did you decide to open that gym you can say that in a heartbeat so like email that you don't have to think about giving a fat loss tip or you know a nutrition tip tell stories stories are the easiest thing for people to share just on the cuff um, you know, on the fly. So like, tell your story, tell your team's story, tell your client's story. Those are the easiest things I would tell you guys to send out now. And then you could put a subtle, by the way, if you ever need help with your fitness goals, click here, you know, but that would be the way that I would tell people to get started and then duplicate, you know, make your work, um, you know, duplicate it. So if you do send that email, also post it on Facebook. And if you do post on Facebook or Instagram, turn that into an email and just, you know, be be good with your time, right? And so those are, those are some things that I would share for people to get started. Because I know that's the biggest thing holding them back, like just ideas. I don't know what to write about, you know? I, I know a big struggle that why people struggle with that is because they devalue the information that they have and they don't think it's like mm -hmm. super valuable. But if yeah. you look at content on social media that that hits often, people like, how much protein should you eat? And they tell them and, and people are like, oh my God, it's the most impressive thing ever posted on the internet. And you're like, doesn't everybody know that? You know it because this is your world. People don't wake up every day thinking about health and fitness and nutrition. You are the expert. And when you're coming to them and, and providing them that information, you become the expert, which then creates that trust, right? It's like, hey, when I'm ready to get healthy and fit, I need to go see Dustin 
because he keeps sending me all this information. He clearly knows what he's talking about. I need to go to Dustin's gym. So you want to be top of mind when somebody is making that decision. Most people are not ready to buy today, but eventually everybody is interested in getting in shape. Everybody on this planet eventually is interested in getting in shape. And you want to be top of mind awareness when you do that. So real, really building that relationship with them. But 10% of the population is actually growth minded. So if you are growth minded and you are learning, when you learn something, teach it. That's the easiest way for me to ever provide value to people is when I learn something, I teach it. Or when something happens in my life, I just try to tie it back to to health and fitness. And and a great example of this, and then we'll we'll move on, is for example, uh, last, last year, it's snowing here in Michigan, which is why it prompted me to think about this. But I took my son um, and my my niece to sledding, and I had to chug them up the hill over and over and over and over again. That wouldn't be possible if I wasn't fit, right? So I shared the story and I did that. And this is one of the reasons why why I stay in shape. And then obviously related it back to why it's important to stay in shape as parents so that you can do anything that you want with your kids. You never have to tell them no because you're too tired or you don't have the energy which is a big thing that a lot of people are going through. But something happened that day and I was like, I can turn that into an email. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be a ton of work, but communicate and really start, people get to know you. It's amazing. People will come into the gym and they they start talking about my email. I'm like, what email are you talking like? And it takes me a while because like I write the email and I move on, right? But they they start to build a relationship with you and they start to get to know you. I mean, uh, Russell Brunson calls it, an attractive character. As a local business, the biggest thing that you can do is really get people to know you and they want to frequent your business. People want to do business with people that they know, like, and trust, especially at a local level and in a local business. So don't be afraid to do that. One last tip is AI is making it easier than ever to do this stuff. So if you are nervous about it, go get free chat GPT, Go in there, put in a topic to say, write me an email on X, Y, and Z, and it will do 90% of the work. Go in and change it out to your voice. Um, I use it a little bit. To, to be honest, I will go in and I will write what I want to write. Sometimes my grammar is not good. So I'll say, hey, edit this for grammar. Or I'll say, hey, make this sound more enthusiastic or make this sound more empathetic or make this sound whatever it may be. Um, and it just allows me to, to produce more content. The moral of the story is take action. Uh, Don't stress out about it. It doesn't have to be overwhelming or complex, but it is massively important if you want to grow your business. The next thing to this is the lead nurture and lead conversion process. So if you're generating leads, do you actually have a process of taking people from your email list or your CRM? And how are we actually getting them into the gym? So beyond the emails that you're sending out, what are you doing to, to nurture those leads? And when we talk about nurture too, it's it's really getting them to like, know, and trust you throughout the process and feel comfortable about starting their, their membership with you. But also there is strategic ways of whenever I do a giveaway, there's always a strategy to work in. How do I now take that lead and now get them into my gym? So there's always a strategy behind that and, and nurturing that lead uh, throughout that process. And this is a big thing that most people don't do. We just don't communicate. And this is Dustin's world. He literally created a company to help lead follow-up, lead nurture, 
and get people, get trials through your gym. So I'm going to let him talk heavily on this. So when people use your service, we're not here to pitch any services, just so we're very clear. We want to add value, but this is his world. A lot of people reach out to you because they're inconsistent with lead follow-up. They're inconsistent with lead nurture. They know it's important. They know they're supposed to do it, but we avoid it because we don't like it, right? And you need to be able to be consistent with it. So to just give an example of some metrics, when people actually start using your business, uh, like what, what metrics change or what impact does that have on their business when they actually start implementing a good lead file, lead nurture process, and somebody is doing it consistently in their business? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is definitely speed to lead because you're right. Either A, the owner's procrastinating it because they don't love the work or B, they're only going to do it when it's convenient for them because they're busy. They might be running the morning block of sessions. They might have to run and get the kids and they'll say, after I get the kids and get them a snack, I'll make this call. Well, you're doing it when it's convenient for you, not when it's convenient for the customer. And so what's the right thing to do first is to get to them as fast as possible. That's that speed to lead mentality. So when we are you know, working an account, a gym owner's account, our metric is we need to get a hold of the, any new opt-in within five minutes. So we set up integrations where our team gets notified a new person's opted in. And it literally says in capital letters, reach out to this person ASAP. And if we put it on the phone so that they could just tap it and call the person or tap it and text them. And that way we can get that speed to lead because when that person's on your website, on your opt-in, when they're thinking about it and they're in that frame of mind, you want to get to them. So that's, you know, the first thing is speed to lead. The second thing- So frame of mind, I just want to add a little something. They're in pain and they're looking for a solution. They want to get out of that pain. So the reason why speed to lead is, is important is you want to get in touch with them when they're in that pain. And when somebody's in pain, they'll do almost anything to get out of that pain. So you want to be having that conversation with them when they, they are looking. They are the warmest lead humanly possible at that time. Yeah. And the thing is, we're, we get hit with so many buying decisions that it might be when they opted in to just the next day. Anywhere from 12 to 21 buying decisions were presented to that person. So think about your feed on your social media. Then I'm driving down the street and I see a poster to, you know, drive in the drive in spot or buy this, you know, banner. We're doing a two for one sale. I'm being bombarded all day with buying decisions. Then the wife's saying we really need to change the tar tires out. They're getting bald. The kids need braces like so you all day you're being hit and you have to be the manager of your money and decide where do I deploy these, these funds? And so at that moment, maybe you had a moment of peace and you were thinking about yourself for a moment, not everybody else. And you just said, I could really get you know, some help here with my health and fitness. And so if you don't catch them when they are in pain and they are thinking, I want to move forward to this buying decision, they will end up deploying the money somewhere. You know what? I'll hold off on my body. We do need the new tires. The kids do need the braces, you know, the a pizza night. I'll just do it. And then you get the more like, hey, well, I'm out of money, right? And you don't know where you catch somebody from one check to the next. You catch them three days before they get paid again and they did all these buying decisions. They got nothing and in their mind, they can't afford it. You pay so you catch somebody on payday, which is why one of my favorite sales days is Friday. Lay downs, you know, pay, you know, people are paying you no problem, paid in fulls. So put yourself in that person's head. And that's why I said, again, speed to lead but also understand the amount of buying decisions you're com competing with in today's world. But yeah, some metrics is we we actually ran a report for last year, just saw our company metrics. We closed 74.3% of people that we actually pitched. You know, we don't count. 
If we said, hey, do you got a minute? No, I'm busy. They hung up or just calls or went to voicemail. We got to say our full pitch about your program, 74.3% of them closed. All right. So I think that that's powerful because, uh, again, we, we, we have things in place to increase that pickup rate, which is things like speed to lead. It is the five by two follow-up system where we reach out to them twice a day. Um, it is doing more outbound calls. You ask an owner, when's the last time you sat down and you dialed for dollars and you went through all your leads list and you called? Probably you have Endeavor since maybe you opened the gym and you had that hustle mode. And then now you're more in maintenance mode and to get into growth mode, you need somebody that's willing to do that work just like you need someone to run your sessions. So that's the beauty of bringing in one person that has one part of the system that they own. Like coach, you just run sessions and retain people and have an amazing experience, build relationships, lead nurture person, you just follow the leads, marketer, which, you know, again, owner, you bring in the leads. And if we all own our one area to mastery level, that's that's going to really help things because, you know, the, the big thing that I see is people try to have Frankenstein positions where it's like, coach, could you follow up after your morning block? admin um can you do some follow-up but you're also my cpa and you also order all the supplies hey owner when you're done marketing can you do some of the follow-up and you got these frankenstein job positions where people are holding two or three things they can never gain mastery in that role so allow someone to do something at, at an excellence level i don't have the qb of a football team also be a defender and the running back and like you know three different things like own your position and own it well right so so that's, you know, another conversion or, or metric that we see when, you know, people work with gym reinforcements. The other thing is just a three X in total sales, you know, and that's trials and memberships just overall. Imagine however many sales you got last month having three X of that next month. So that's what happens again, not a plug on gym reinforcements. I'm sharing what we've achieved, but also what you can do to, you know, improve it yourself. And that's really let somebody own it that loves it. They're not looking to just say yes to a paycheck, but they're saying yes to the passion. They have to love sales, study sales, and want to sell. And now they can really deliver to you the results you want. And that's massively important. So as you grow, like as you want to scale, you're going to need more specialists and less generalists. Yes. You as a CEO tend to be the ultimate generalist and you can get away with that to, to an extent. But the people on your team need to start specializing in their roles and their responsibilities. And a big part of that is so that you can have consistency, right? Not when they're available. Like you need to be able to run your business the way that your business needs to run to be optimal, not based on personalities, not based on people's schedules, not based on what people want to do that day or uh, whatever is happening inside of their life. You need somebody that you can reliably know is doing that task consistently, no matter what that is getting done inside of your business. So if you don't have somebody on your team, and, and I found too, is when we try to move somebody into that task when they weren't actually hired to do that, it's always an issue and it's always a problem because that's not what they, they were hired for and it's not what they want to do. So also hiring somebody specific for that role so that you're hiring the right person for the roles and responsibilities that you want that person to do. Does that person want to be following up all day long? Does that person want to be on the phone all day long? Is that person willing to take phone calls at seven, eight o'clock at night when that prospect is, is available, can actually get on the phone and talk to you? If not, you are missing out on growing your business. So again, it's not a plug, it's not a pitch, but it is something that you need to put time and energy into, especially if you're not getting trials through your door. And every business eventually needs to transition to having 
lead follow-up specialists in some capacity eventually, because when you first open, everything is, you're the new thing in town, you're the shiny object, everything tends to, to work, right? But when you start getting into the business for three, four, five, six, seven years, and you need consistent trial flow, that is something that you're going to have to put a lot more time and energy through. And then also like reactivating old people that have come through your doors. I look at my CRM and it's almost sickening. And you're like, you're like 4,000 people have come through your doors and, and in five years, you're like, oh my God, if I just retain uh, 10% more of those people, holy cow, right? Um, but they need to be reactivated and there, there's ways that you need to be doing that. So it's your business. There's a lot that goes into it. That's a full-time person. That's a full-time job. That's full-time focus, energy, and intentionality that that type of position needs. So that is the uh, getting trials through your doors. So if you're not getting trials through your doors, that is the downstream that you need to be looking at inside your business. The next thing is trial conversions. I'm not going to go too hard on this because we kind of intro with this with the stories of, of people coming in. But oftentimes when we look at trial conversion, the first thing that you need to look at, especially if you're doing one-on-one sales, if you're meeting with them one-on-one and that's the way that you're converting, it's typically never the sales person. Um, If they're converting 70% or higher, that's pretty good. There's only so much you can do to dial that in even higher. The downstream effect is, are people setting appointments? Are people actually showing up for those appointments? Those are the two areas that I see being the biggest issues when it comes to the uh, the conversion process being really, really low. The other things that affect that are honestly, it's the experience. What is your product? The best way to not have a marketing product is have, have a, uh, a great product, right? Not have a marketing problem is have a great product inside of your locations. And so many people that struggle especially if they have systems in place that are pretty decent is because their product isn't good. And ultimately your product is your team. What is the experience that your team is providing? How is your team making people feel when they walk through the doors? Is your team getting them results, right? So oftentimes if it isn't a uh, set in a show problem and it's not a sales process, it's ultimately always going to be a product and an experience process and the best gyms in the world put as much time and energy in creating the experience for clients as they do on the marketing. When you can combine the marketing with the experience, my God, you have a home run. But most people don't focus on either of those two things and then wonder why their, their gym is not growing. What's your thoughts on that? No, and I, I think really it's the, the um, you know, again, you got to have focus because it's very easy to just move from one to the other and not make any meaningful change. So you say, okay, you know, a good point. I'm going to work on my experience this week. And it's like, what what are you really going to massively impact in a week? You know, developing your team, making a new system, nothing really ma- massive is going to happen in a week. And then the next week you go to, you know, marketing and the next week you go to sales and you're kind of rotating through them all. So you're going an inch deep. And so it's really just finding out which of these numbers or area of business you feel like is having a massive, uh, you know, like in negative impact on you and going deep on that, going hard on it. 60, 90 days could be even longer, but let's make this a big upgrade or fix. And you could even just like you're announcing a new challenge, you can announce it to the members. Hey, guys, we're giving our, our service a major uplift and we're going to do this and this and this and this. And we're super excited. And it all starts on this date. And, you know, we've had many times where we do a relaunch to our members to get them re-engaged, re-excited and tell them about the things we're doing. 
I actually like that better because then you have so much momentum the clients are excited about and then your member or your teams are excited because there's like a list. If you just do like one change, you know, it's like 50-50, your team's going to take action on it. There's no big announcement to your clients. It's kind of behind clap past doors. Uh, so it, it's something that it's like, it's good. Just like if you're planning a big challenge externally, a massive product change internally and announce it and make it a big deal and put the marketing machine internally behind it. And, you know, th that that's the right way to do it so that it, it stays. And then it's up to you. I, I will say it's like a fresh start for you and your team. You now need to hold them accountable. Whatever you do build and upgrade, it's a fresh start for you. Maybe you feel like I'm not the best manager. Well, you can have that restart anytime in your business. You own it and just say, hey, with this initiative, I'm also going to grow. I'm going to be a better manager. I'm going to hold my team accountable. Or if you feel like you have somebody in your team that'd be a better manager than you, they will need to hold them accountable. But I need to hold them accountable for holding everybody accountable. And so... These are the things that are, you know, exciting. I love fresh starts. Like, you know, I love doing new things in my business because I fall back in love with it. The team fall back in love with it. The clients fall back in love with it. It just re-sparks your, your passion. So that that to me is just like how you can package it and make it bigger and, and not make it small because it might not stick if you do it that way. Yeah, one of the human needs is to have some variety. Um, you don't want too much variety where it stresses everybody out and you can't be consistent. That is a big thing too, is when you're looking at your experience, don't do anything that one, you can't deliver on, but you can't be consistent on because yeah. the minute you stop being consistent on that stuff, then, then you start losing that trust with, with your, with your team, you lose trust with your clients and that's where, uh, things start to erode, right? So you don't want to be the person that just adding stuff and changing things to, to change things, like make it meaningful, have a strategy in place, but don't do anything that you can't be consistent with. That is such an important lesson. I've made a lot of those mistakes, especially when I'm emotionally reacting, where it's like, if we just do this thing, it's going to fix the problem. And then it's not really even the problem that we're trying to fix because I didn't know what the actual problem is. It felt good for a minute, but it, it caused a lot more dysfunction downstream. But just two helpful tips. If you are having an issue with uh, your your sales, your trial conversion process, really make sure that you are making the appointment that people need to have the most valuable part of their entire trial or challenge or whatever it may be and setting that appointment as soon as possible. So make it a condition of doing business with you. A lot of people like it's, you know, they're two, three weeks in and it's like, oh my God, they haven't set an appointment yet. And then it's Everyone's trying to get them to set an appointment, but by that time, it's too late. So make sure that you're doing that on the front end. You're making it part of the process. And then you are really have a good nurture sequence showing them the value when they do show up for that appointment. And you're going to get a lot more people to show for that because they're seeing value in it. It's not a sales appointment. The other part of that is your team has to see value in that appointment. If your team just thinks it's a sales appointment and it's a way that you're going to take somebody's money they are not going to be, uh, they're not going to sell it hard and they're not going to push it hard and they're not really going to care if people don't show up for it. Uh, just some things I've learned over the years. And then the last part is a lot of people do good converting one type of trial coming in. Maybe it's a challenge, but when it's a free seven day or it's a low barrier offer, we look at those people as less than. They're paying way less money. So we're not going to give them the energy and the effort that we do our challengers or a high ticket program. Every person that is walking through your door is a life. 
plain and simple. I don't care if they paid $0, they paid $21, they paid $100, or they paid you $1,000. Every single one of them is valuable. You need to treat them the exact same, regardless of uh, how much money they paid on the front end, because all of them can convert over to a membership, right? But if you're giving different experiences, a lot of people are like, well, the, the low barrier offer people are, uh, are these type of people. Well, that's because you're treating them like those type of people. And then you wonder why you're getting the result that you're getting. So really, you need to be sold on that, but you need to be selling your team on that, that every single client gets the exact same experience and every single one holds the exact same amount of value when they walk through our doors. Because we feel things. People are feeling machines. Yes. We feel if we're being treated as less than and we're not putting the time and energy into them. And nobody likes that. Period. End of story. So really making sure that, that that stuff is dialed in. That makes a massive difference. Before on challenges, we were converting 60 to 70% of people. And then right after challenges, we do some type of LBO. And our conversions were really, really low. Uh, one, the experience wasn't as dialed in as it should be. But when I would talk to my team, the way that they would talk about those people was really disheartening. And no wonder why we weren't converting at, at such a high level. So those are really important things. That leads to attrition. Attrition needs to be, honestly, like one of the biggest focuses inside of your business. The hard part about attrition and why people struggle with attrition is it it's never going to be one thing uh, that fixes your attrition. There's so much that goes into attrition and there's so much nuance that goes into attrition um, that you can't pinpoint one thing. And then when you implement a strategy that you think is going to fix your attrition, it might not show up in the metrics for three to six months. So you do something, you put effort into it, and it doesn't show up in two to four weeks. So you're like, hey, that didn't work. So we're going to stop doing that. And then we're going to do something else. And then you start just doing a bunch of random stuff. So whatever you do, you need to be committed to for, I would say, at least six months to see if it's actually making an impact on your business before you can make a logical decision that that did or did not work. And again, it goes back to being able to be consistent with the thing that you're implementing to be able to see the results that you want in your business. But and the biggest lagging measure... Go ahead. I was just saying, just having long-term thinking. Everybody's operating from too short of, uh, you know, mindset and time uh, continuum. Like think, think longer. Like that's the biggest thing that I love. A lot of the stuff we're talking about today is telling people to just open up their frame of mind to live, to, to think longer. What's the term of your lease? Like what, if it's three years, five years, you got to at least think with three to five years. Hopefully you're thinking beyond that too, but like stop thinking about this week and this month. So again, that, that's really what I just want to say, thinking longer term. 100%. So if we're looking at a, a few things and, and thoughts to think about attrition. So the number one thing, the biggest lagging measure is just usage of your membership. Are people coming? They may sound basic, but if people are coming three times a week, they're 50% less likely to cancel than people that aren't coming three times a week, right? So our goal in our locations is we need everybody coming three times a week. That is the big metric. The big thing that, that we focus on is three times a week, because if you're using it, you're going to continue to see value and you're going to continue to pay. You're probably also building relationships. You're probably indoctrinated in the culture. You probably feel like you belong if you're coming on a consistent basis. But if you're not coming and you're getting a bill from your location, you're going to be like, every time they get the bill, that's a prompt that I need to cancel my membership because I'm not using it. 
And that's just simple facts. The next thing I would say, the second biggest thing, and I'd be curious to see what you think, Dustin, is really helping them feel like they belong and that they're a part of your gym and they're a part of your community. And a big way you do that is helping them foster relationships because a lot of people will stick around from just being comfortable at your gym. 69% of our population, if you know anything about DISC, is, is considered an S. And S's don't like change. So if they feel comfortable at your gym and they have relationships at your gym and they have relationships with, with your coaches, it will take a lot for them to want to go to a different gym. Mm. Plain and simple, right? So if we can make them feel a part of our gym, create relationships, create community, uh, those people most likely will never leave. But here's a crazy thing is when one of their friends leaves and goes to a competing gym, you will likely lose that person because now they have a relationship in the other gym. So just a tip is if you see somebody that's an influencer of people inside of your gym and they end up leaving and going to another gym, like start like trying to do a better job with that group of people and really making sure that you're providing value to them. Because if you're not, it's going to be very easy for them to leave because that friend is comfortability somewhere else. When you lose a trainer or a coach to another gym, which we'll do an episode on non-competes because uh, I think it's really important uh, one day. But when a coach leaves for another gym, guess what? Now they feel comfortable going to that gym because they have a relationship with that coach uh, where before they never would have thought about going to that gym because it would have been so uncomfortable, right? So you want to make sure that your gym is the place that they feel comfortable, that they belong, that it's their gym. And a few other things on that is, how do we do that? Appreciation and recognition. So what are you doing inside of your gym? Part of your systems and processes to show clients appreciation and recognition. You should show appreciation every time they walk through your doors. Every single time that they walk through their doors, you need to be thanking them and showing them appreciation for coming because they have other options, right? How do you provide them status inside of your gym? So the longer that they come, how do you provide them status? Because as human beings, we make decisions off status. This is elevate my status. I'm very likely to do it. If this lowers my status, I'm less likely to do it. So how do you make it so that somebody loses status when they drop your membership? How do you make it painful for them to lose everything that they earned over the last two, three, four, five years, right? On top of the relationships that they have. So those are some of the big key takeaways. Obviously, we can't go super in detail. Uh, on that, but it's massively important. And hopefully that gets your thinking muscles going of how do I incorporate that in what we're doing? And how do I improve what I'm doing based on what, what we just covered? So what are your insights or thoughts on that, Dustin? Yeah, I would say one thing that's helped us is when you do plan events, sometimes people have like a crappy, you know, uh, turnout, like not a lot of members come. And I say, well, did you do like company-wide invites or did you do personal invites? And they said, oh, we put the poster up, we email out, we set it at our end of session announcements. And I said, great, that's why. Like nobody goes to a party that they say everybody's invited. They go to a party where they say, I would like to see you there. So you got to go around and do personal invites and just say, hey, Joe, we have our big cornhole tournament this weekend. We want to have you there. We want to hang out with the Fib fam. Are you coming? Are you bringing the kids? Hey, Susan, you know, are you are you going to make it, you know, to our, our kickball tournament at the park? Like give them one on one um, personalized invites and you'll see your events. I mean, we just had an event with 50 people at and, and you know, like that that's a almost 
over 25% of our, uh, um, you know, atten- uh, members. And so it's like, holy crap, that's, that's amazing. And so, um, the thing is that the, the, the appreciation and recognition, like also systemizing it, like I said earlier, do you want to fix it once you want to fix it forever? Cause a lot of people will hear that and say, this month, I'm going to say thank you more and I'm going to send handwritten cards and I'm going to, we're going to do a client appreciation week and then it fades away. So it's like, it needs to live on your calendar every year. It needs to be something you look at, you know, quarterly. It needs to be something you build a system where you're like, now when I train a trainer to join the team, we say thank you for coming today at the end of every session. And like, that's what I mean by taking it and putting it into your system. So it's a systematic fix. And it's not a one day fix, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that, those are just some other things to throw in there. I, I do think a lot of people don't want to do that one-to-one combat, right? But I, I think that's massively important. We, every big event we do, we teach our coaches, hey, have one-on-one conversations with people uh, because the, the mass thing, it's it's almost like it's not even for me. Like you're not even talking to yeah. me. So I'm going to tune you out. But everybody wants to be wanted. Everybody wants to belong. Everyone wants to feel feel needed, right? Where when it's just a group invite, people are like, no one's going to miss me if I don't show up, right? But if you personally invited me, then they know they're going to feel missed, right? So there's so many people that come to our events. um, And a good example of this was we tried to set a Guinness World Record. And uh, when we did the mass send out stuff, the, the amount of people that initially said yes, were like, oh my God, like we're screwed. I was like, I taught my team, we're going one-to-one combat. Like every client that walks in, we're having a conversation about coming to, to the event. And everyone was like, okay. So that day though, so we did a training that day, we had clients come in and I sat down uh, and every client that walked in, I was like, hey, are you are you signed up yet to go to the Guinness World Record? And some didn't even know it. Like they come to sessions, they get the emails, they get the text, but they didn't even, they're like, the what? What's that about again? What's What's going on? I'm like, we think people are paying attention, but but they're not. Yes. Um, but then I would overcome their objections. And then, you know, I was like, well, it's for the kids and all this other stuff. And uh, we really would love if, if you're able to go. Um, it, it makes it, it makes a big impact. Right. And why I did that, though, was one, I wanted to see how effective it was um, and people doing that. But then ultimately, I was like, hey, team, it works. Everyone needs to be doing this. And if, if the CEO of the company is willing to go do that with clients that maybe they don't even know, you guys can do it too. The goal is to become the CEO of your business, which means you must know your metrics inside of your business. The key metrics are going to be trials, trial conversions, and attrition. And then when those numbers are off track, knowing where to look downstream to fix it logically with data, not emotionally. And then lastly, if you want more deposits in your bank account, you need to pay attention to the two big profit killers inside of your business, which are going to be past dues and holds. Now, that was a 30,000 foot view of the, the business and the metrics that you need to know. If you want more of that, if you want actual going into the, the tactics and the deep dive into everything of how we run and operate our businesses over the last 30 years, we're actually going to be launching what we call a mentorship. So it's going to be a fitness empire mentorship with the entire goal is to help you truly become the CEO of your business. And we're going to share with you and show you 30 years of experience. We're going to give you the blueprint of 30 years of experience of what we've learned in the fitness industry 
so that you don't have to recreate the wheel. Now, it is a mentorship program. It is not a mastermind. It is not a one-on-one -on -one coaching program. And the way it's going to work is every month, we're going to go into one critical key area inside of your business and do a super deep dive every month. So the way it's going to work is for the first two weeks, me and Dustin are going to go deep dive exactly how we do that topic inside of our business. Now, there will be some nuance. Dustin does things different than me. I do things a little bit different than him. And then you'll be able to figure out what's going to work for you inside of your business. At the end, there will be a Q&A every single time. It's going to be directed on that topic. The third week is going to be full-on Q&A. So you're going to get the weeks one, week two. We're going to go deep dive. Inevitably, when you go through that content, you're going to have more questions. We're going to ask, hey, how can I apply this to my business? Here's my situation. How would you apply this to my business? Because the ultimate goal is application. There is so much information in the world, but if you're not applying it, it really doesn't matter. So our ultimate goal is to teach you so that you can apply it. And then week four of the month, obviously we know that sometimes there's five weeks in a month, but week four of the month is application week. So there is going to be no training that week. The whole goal is to give you all the resources that you need. So after every single call that we have, every mentorship call that we have with you, we will give you the resources that we have created inside of our business that you can just take, rip off and duplicate and make it work inside of your business. But then on that fourth week, we want to give you the time to actually apply it into your business. What we'd recommend is the same time that you've carved out to come to our mentorship calls and do the Q&A with us. You use that time to map out the uh, application of that inside of your business. So you're not having to create more time. Take the time that, that you've already allotted and use that time to implement that inside of your business. And really, like Dustin talked about, be able to be that 30,000 foot view on your business, create the strategy so that your team can uh, be implementing it. So that is what we're going to be doing. And uh, I made a joke with Dustin before we started. I said, the gurus are going to hate us for this because the, the price is going to be ridiculously cheap. I've been in lots of masterminds. Dustin's been in lots of masterminds. I've paid $60,000 a year to be in a, uh, in a mastermind. I've ran masterminds where I've charged $2,500 a month. And we're going to provide you more value inside of this mentorship because we're not just going to teach you and coach you. We're also going to give you the exact resources that you need that we've developed over the last 30 years inside of our business so that you can deploy them quickly and effectively inside your business. And you're not going to have to think about how do I actually apply this? And it's only going to be a couple hundred dollars a month. So that is going to be launching soon. We're going to give you guys more details throughout the episodes. And the goal isn't that we're trying to pitch you on the mentorship. The goal of this podcast is not to sell you anything. The goal of this podcast is really, to, again, we're on the same mission of trying to cure obesity and really have a massive impact on the health epidemic of our country and really increase your impact and your income inside of your business. So these episodes are going to be exactly like it was today. Hopefully you got a ton of golden nuggets and you're like, man, I need to, to make some improvements. I see my business in a completely different light. So hopefully the value that we're providing you for, for completely for free, uh, you guys can see is, is more value than most paid programs. And, and that's ultimately our goal is just to be valuable to you guys because ultimately we're on the same mission. So whether you're getting our free content or you want to go deeper dive, 
in, into our paid content. Uh, hopefully you can continue to tune in and know it's not going to be a pitch fest. No, we're not going to try to sell you stuff every single episode, but we want to make you aware because inevitably people will be asking, how do we get more of this? How do we work with you? And we just want to be open and honest with you from the beginning. So you know how to do that. And that's all I got. What do you got, Dustin? Yeah. I mean, the final thing I'm just going to state guys is like every podcast episode will be a masterclass. So just our free stuff will be mind blowing and help you grow your business. So then you probably, you know, imagine what we're going to be planning to do for our paid stuff. But the big thing is we just want to create a tribe of gym owners and, and just link arms and step forward into business together and support each other. Because I think, you know, being an entrepreneur can be lonely and you can feel like an island and you don't have any other entrepreneur friends. And so one of the things that really helps you is when you can be open and honest and talk about what's on your mind, free of judgment. We often share things we feel with one another. We share them with you guys. And it's just freeing to get that off your chest, but it's freeing to also talk to someone else that's in the trenches with you doing the same type of business and get ideas and advice. And that's where I get the most value for my business is when I'm talking to other people who are doing the same thing I am. So we're assembling a tribe. We want to help you guys become the transformation kings and queens, build your fitness empire and really help. Again, our, our shared mission is to just reverse this terrible obesity epidemic that's, you know, just hurting our country. And we know you guys are impact and income driven. And that's why we want to work with you. So yeah, stay tuned. We're going to be sharing those details with you guys. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, because again, if you like these episodes we're dropping, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. So that's our goal is to be the best content that's produced for gym owners on the planet. So subscribe and and get ready for, for more great content coming, guys. Matt, any final words before we wrap up, man? No, I think that was an awesome uh, episode. We hope you guys got a ton of value. If you did, please leave a review. Please share it. Uh, sometimes in the gym space, we don't want to share uh, information because then our competitors are going to have it. But again, we're, we're on the same mission and we want to make an impact. So, so please share this. More people need to get this information. We are on the same mission. Uh, the most important thing is whatever we teach you, please take it, please apply it inside of your business. That is the, the greatest way that you can uh, pay us for the, the, the energy and the value that we provide in these episodes. All right, guys. See you on the next episode. Bye.